Hi, this is Ron Darling with SNY TV. Um, you know me from covering the Mets, and uh, I hope you get a chance to listen to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. I had a great time. I hope you do, too. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. This is Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and, and what's, what's going, going down, down on the farm. farm. It's, it's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. Hope you all had a good week out there. And I know what you're thinking. I said I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. But circumstances have changed. Yes, we have a search underway for a new manager right after we did the roundtable discussion. The manager was fired. And so I uh, feel it is in my utmost duty to uh, do a show. And besides, I arranged for a terrific interview that I hope you'll all enjoy that's coming up right in a few minutes. I'm not going to tell you who it's for, but if you already read the uh, on the page, my page, you'll know. But anyway, terrific interview. So Mickey Calloway gets fired. I think you know my feelings on that. Uh, think he should have got another year. Improve the team. Should have been back. Should have had the chance. But he was not Brody's guy. And I guess Brody's got the year Jeff Wilpon and was able to fire him. The Wilpons usually don't like to pay more than one manager at a time. But um, I guess, uh, as I said, I guess Jeff has, uh, uh, Brody has Jeff's year and is willing to go for the amount. Now, whether they hire a big name contract type of a manager, that remains to be seen. Of course, the rumors are Joe Girardi is out there, uh, Joe Madden's out there, but I think he's going to go. He's a shoe in to go to the Angels, I I believe. Uh, Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, Carlos Beltran, all are candidates. Who will be interviewed? We'll wait and see. Probably uh, Girardi, I would imagine. Um, uh, Carlos Beltran has been gaining ground lately with the organization. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I don't know who I like, uh, (laughs) but we will see. The Phillies uh, fired their manager today, Gabe Kapler. 
could he be a guy? I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, the Mets have already done some interviewing. They did some phone interviews and uh, soon to do some in-person interviews with Joe Girardi, Carl's Beltron, and Mike Bell. Buckshaw Walter could be in that mix. And Derek Shelton is another guy who may be in that mix. I think he's the bench coach of Minnesota. Uh, he is available now as Minnesota was eliminated from the playoffs. Luis Rojas is in-house. He's another possibility. Edgardo uh, Alfonso. We mentioned Mike Bell. He's the younger brother of Reds manager David Bell, and he currently works with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's the uh, team's vice president uh, of player development, and he has been a minor league manager in the past. So somebody else to throw their hat in the ring. Um, so we should see, you know, how it all, uh, how it all is going to play out. Oh, wow. I just saw this on the news. Former Met Bartolo Colon to release memoir entitled Big Sexy next April. We'll see. Uh, maybe we can get Bartolo on the, on, on uh, the show. But getting back to the manager hunt, it's a crapshoot now. It's wide open. It's, it's what do they wish to do? Do they wish to uh, pay the money and get a Girardi in here? Or are they going to look to cheap out and get a first-time guy like a Mike Bell or a Derek Shelton in here? Um, would they dare bring in a uh, Gabe Kapler or Dusty Baker? Dusty Baker's 70 years old, though. Uh, and as we know, he, he gets his teams to the playoffs, it seems, but he can't bring it home from there. So I don't know. Would Dusty Baker want to come? Would he want to do it? And at what cost? That's the thing. Buckshaw Walters looking for a job. Same kind of deal. He gets his teams to the playoffs. Never seems to deliver past that, uh, but we will see how that works out as well. Craziness is all around us. A lot of teams looking for managers. Pittsburgh, Philadelphia now. Who else? Uh, uh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Who else fired their manager? I am at a complete... Uh, an, oh, Chicago... California Angels. Uh, Brad Osmus could be a candidate for the Mets job. I, I'm not. I don't know about you. I'm not thrilled about anything. I'm not a big Joe Girardi guy, to be honest. Not exactly thrilled about the possibility of him coming here. Um, not a big Bug Showalter fan either. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of. I'm kind of stuck here. Don't know who I want to see. I, I guess if anybody, I'd like Joe Madden, but like I said, he's almost a shoe in with uh, California Angels. I think he spent 35 years in your organization, so don't see that as a match here. So 
Um, other than that, the candidates, Dusty Baker, never a big Dusty Baker fan. Um, though he does win. I mean, that's one thing. Can't get him over that hump, though. Couldn't get the... He, he's been to the World Series, but couldn't get it over. Luis Rojas, not excited about. He is the son, though, of Felipe Lou. And the brother of Moise Salou. So uh, there's some uh, there's some pedigree there. Um, gee, I don't know. It's a tough call. I, I'm just going to have to sit and wait and see what shakes out as the season goes by. And as, uh, as the year goes by, the calendar floats away into oblivion. Um, there are some decisions the Mets are going to have to make in the next month or so, I guess. Uh, they have to save some guys on the 40-man roster, at least three. And uh, they're going to have to cut some guys. They're going to have to make decisions about tendering contracts to players that are eligible for arbitration. Um, arbitration deals, uh, who are they going to sign? Zach Wheeler, are they going to go after Zach Wheeler? Are they going to make him a qualifying offer? The, the feeling right now in baseball is that they will offer Zach Wheeler a qualifying offer. He will turn it down and test free agency. That is the overwhelming feeling as we, uh, you know, as we re really see right now. So... We'll have to see. Uh, will they make trades? Winter meeting is going to be very, very interesting right now. Uh, and when that comes up in December, so we'll keep an eye on that. All right. I mean, that's my take uh, on the new manager, as I say, or the uh, firing of Mickey Calloway. I think it was a shame. I thought he deserved a second chance. Brought the team up. The team seems to like him. The guys played hard for him. Um, played hard second half both his years here, even though they were pretty much counted out of it. Made runs. This more more impressive than last year, but still, in both years they've had the best. You know, looked better after the second half. Um, uh, Phil Regan did a terrific job. As the pitching coach, I hope he comes back. I think it's an open-end thing with him. He can come if he wants to. I hope he does. He made a big, big improvement from bullpen. Uh, and the starters, uh, Chili Davis, what can you say? The numbers are, are unbelievably better for the offense this year. Uh, really improved that aspect of it. So I hope he comes back as well. But... New managers have have their own choices sometimes and or at least suggestions and somebody may not want to work with uh, any of those guys or either of those guys. I hope they do. I, I think Chili Davis was a big addition here. Okay, let's take a break and we will come back with my very special guest right after this. Hey, baseball fans and book fans as well. This is Frank Nappy, author of the Legend of Mickey Tussler series, inviting all of you to learn more about my protagonist, Mickey Tussler, an incredible pitching prodigy who has autism. Follow Mickey's journey as he captures the hearts of fans everywhere with his blazing fastball and indomitable spirit. 
please visit Amazon or www.franknappy.com for more information. Hi, this is the world-famous Mr. Brewtown of BrewtownSports.Potomatic.com. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, Plus. Uh, Brewtown Sports. You can also listen to the show at Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and iTunes.com. And we've got the new one. It's called BrewtownRadio.Webley.com. But the one that I'm most proud of being on is BaseballPodcast.net. It is the home of great baseball talk shows. Check it out, my show and all kinds of other programs all about Major League Baseball. So check it out. That's BaseballPodcast.net, the home for great baseball talk shows. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash metsmusings. Joining me this week is a member of the 1969 world champion New York Mets, and I'm so thrilled to have him on. He is Rod Gaspar. Rod, thanks for coming on the show this week. Oh, my pleasure, Gary. Appreciate it. Uh, Rod, first question, and I probably you've probably heard this a dozen times already, but uh, can you believe that it's been 50 years? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's... It, it's like a dream, you know, just <laughs> just they here and then gone, and uh, it goes so fast. Uh, but you know what's what's great about it is that the you know New York Mets did win in 1969, and mm-hmm. people do remember that year uh, because of all the things that are going on in the in the New York City and the world, and uh, I think we we brought a very bright light to the city uh, and uh, the thing that I've said to people over the years is that uh, you know most people don't remember who won the World Series five years ago or three <laughs> years ago or ten years ago or True. you know 40 years ago but people seem to know two years who won the World Series uh, the 27 Yankees and the 69 Mets and I'm very happy that I was part of that team. Yeah, and uh, as you said, it was a crazy year. I, I was a 16-year-old kid sitting in the upper deck at Chase Stadium, and 
I mean, there was so much going on in the world uh, with the man landing on the moon and Woodstock and the war protests and everything. And you guys really did bring a bright light, uh, at, at least in New York City. It was, a, a, you know, an extraordinary season. Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, I'm a young, single, 23 years old, small, rotten brat, living, you know, living in New York, and uh, you know, being part of that great team. I mean, it was, it was just, you know, you can't make those things up, as people would say. That's right. And uh, I mean, besides us winning, of course, the the Knicks won and the Jets won, and happened that we all beat the Baltimore teams uh, in order to win the championship. Right. Right. So, yeah, we had a great year. New York did. Baltimore didn't do too well. And you have a book out now which chronicles a lot of this. Uh, it's called Rod Gaspar Miracle Met. Um, why did you Why did you decide to write a book at this point in time, other than the fiftieth anniversary? But uh, uh, well, well, it's not. It wasn't my idea. I, I hadn't planned <laughs> on it. And then a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it was 2017, I, or maybe a little bit later than that, but uh, a young man named David Russell from Queens, New York, mm-hmm. he contacted me, and he wanted to do a book on me. And I go, why do you want to do a book on Gasper? I said, you got Seaver, Kuzman, you know, you got McGraw, you got all these, of course, Tug was gone by then, but, mm-hmm. you know, you have all these other guys. Why do you want to do a book on me? She, he said, well... Someone told me that uh, the guy's name was John Tormey, who's a big Mets fan. Uh, someone told me that uh, that that you'd be a good subject. So I said, "Okay, go ahead." So we started the process, and uh, he was looking for a publisher, and uh, he had one. And you know, things were going on well. Then he told me that the publisher backed out of it, and I told David, I said, "Hey." David, you know, it's no big deal to me. Uh, I mean, I appreciate your efforts, but, you know, it's not going to bother me if, you know, if we can't proceed on this. He said, no, 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 I want to do this. And he was very persistent in the right way. And uh, he ended up, you know, getting it done. I give him the credit for it because he, you know, he persevered and uh, ended up getting, having Amazon.com, uh, I guess, you know, produce the book. Uh-huh. People, people have been buying them. From Amazon, I don't know how many they've, <laughs> they've bought so far. I don't think too many, but he got it done. And, uh, you know, actually, I, you know, after it was done, I got a copy of the book. And you know what, Gary? It, it was kind of interesting. <laughs> I was reading some of this stuff. It was, it was, you know, it, it turned out pretty well. I've had some nice comments from people on the book. It's amazing, too, when you do something like that, how you recall things. And then when you go back and read it, you go, oh, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, my kids are really amazed and how well my, about my memory. And I said, well, yeah, I remember, you know, majority of that stuff. You know, David had uh, some guideline. I don't know. He brought up you know, different games and different things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, from that, I could uh, give the stories. And uh, uh, so... Yeah, it it turned out well. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy about the book. And and looking back now, it it was such a memorable year for you. And you were actually a rookie. You were signed with the Mets in '67, I think it was. You went to Williamsport. 
had a good season there. They changed to Memphis. Their affiliate you went there, had a great season, led the league in hits. You made the all-star team. You go to spring training with the Mets in 69, and uh, any did you have any idea that you would have a chance to make it, or did you think you were heading to uh, Tidewater? I went there with the expectation to make the club. I mean, that's just the way you, you know you have to look at it. You have to know you're good. Uh, you, you have good physical abilities, which I did have. Uh, you know, you don't have to be cocky or you know a jerk about it. But I had a lot of confidence in my abilities, and I went there with the idea of making you know the 1969 New York Met uh, baseball club. And uh, when I got there, boy, I, I, I was in for a shock because they didn't know who I was. You know, Gil didn't know me. You know, the Ogie. Then nobody knew Gasper was all they all they knew as far even if they knew that is that I had two pretty good years in the minor leagues in Williamsport and uh in Memphis. In fact I thought I had a better year in Williamsport because the ballparks were so terrible <laughs> with the lighting and all and it's yeah. a, you know, it was hard to we had there's only one three hundred hitter that year in Williamsport and he was on our team, Bernie Smith, and I was in the top ten in hitting. I hit two sixty. <laughs> the next year I'm in Memphis hit three ten, or they said three nine, led the league in hits like you said. And I actually thought I had a better year in Williamsport, <laughs> even though I've hit fifty points higher in right. Memphis, but that's here nor there. So and I was you know, they, they drafted me in the second round in sixty seven at Olympic State. And, you know, I had two decent years, so in the rules at that time, they had to protect me after the second year, I guess, and put me on the Major League roster. So because of that, I was invited to spring training. But again, they didn't know who I was, and and I was, wasn't was real happy about that because I remember sitting in the stands in St. Petersburg watching the team play, and, you know, there's Cleon out there and Tommy Agee and Ron Sabota and Art Samskis, good guys, and... And I'm thinking, why aren't I out there? I can play with these guys. I'll tell West Stock that he was our minor league pitching instructor. He and I are sitting watching the game, and uh, I said, "Why, man? I, you know, I, I was just real frustrated." And then, as so happens, which you, you know, you probably remember, is that Art hurt his back mm-hmm. in a in a pregame uh, warm up for the Mets. We're going to take a road trip a couple of days later. I got a chance to go and. Gil played, and I went on a fourteen. Gil played me, and I went on a fourteen-game hitting streak, and they were kind of forced to keep me, <laughs> which I'm sure glad they did. Yeah. Well, and so were we because you had some big moments that year. It seemed like uh, whenever something was happening, you seemed to be in the middle of it. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of the May 30th. I think it was May 30th where you threw the guy out at the plate uh, in a big game. For the Mets, uh... yeah, that was in San Francisco, Candlestick Park. Mm-hmm. Willie McCovey was up with Bob Berta on first base, and there was uh, one out. And Tug was pitching, Tug McGraw, and I was up playing left field. And they had McCovey shift on, mm-hmm. and you know, Sabota's playing towards the right field line, AG's in right center, and I'm, you know, like in left center, center, way over there, <laughs> and. uh Tuck threw McCovey a screwball, low and away, and he you know, hit like a nine iron down the left field line. I took off, knowing I couldn't catch the ball, mm-hmm. but knowing it was a winning run on first, and uh, I got to the ball right in front. And the you know the the, the, lob, the grass and 
as you know, in Candlestick Park at that time. I mean, it was the weather's terrible and it's yeah. kind of wet, so the ball hit and like stuck, you know, just stuck yeah. in the ground about a foot right in front of the warning track. So it's probably well over 300 feet from home. I went, picked it up, pivoted, and fired a rocket to Grody, Jerry Grody, at home, you know, in the air. I had birded by 15 feet. Jerry surprised him so much, and, you know, he's a very heads-up player. Yeah. You know, very heads-up. It shocked him that I threw the ball that far, and we got Berta. He flipped the, he forgot how many outs there were, flipped the ball to the, the mound, and uh, then he realized what happened, started to go after but Clendenin always heads-up, Don, he picked it up, fired to Bobby Fowle at third, and got McCovey's double play, got out of the inning, I think it's one to one at that point in the next inning. Clendenin hits a home run. We win the ball game. But that's typical of the Mets. Typical. Of, uh, we had a lot of games that we won. You know, in just extraordinary ways. It's just, in hey, we were tough to beat. We were a very good ball club. Very and, good. That's and when like, it came to clutch, clutch time. Yeah, and and like you said, a lot of clutch hits, and and of course you had that great pitching staff with uh, Seaver Kuzman, Gentry, Nolan Ryan, and Jim McAndrew contributed, and big time. And, and you know, uh, in in thinking back, I as we were talking before, I realized something things that I almost forgot that there were a lot of rookies in and out of that, a lot of young guys in and out of that team. When we think of the team, we think of the you know uh, the the Crane Pools and and the Shamskis and the Swobodas. But um, uh, I happened to to talk to Ed Crane Pool a while back, and and you know you do realize that there were so many other guys involved that were uh, young guys like yourself. Duffy Dyer was a rookie. Um, Bobby File, I believe, was a rookie. Right. Wayne Garrett, uh, Wayne Jack DeLauro. They all, they, as you said earlier, uh, they all, the whole team contributed, you know, one way or the other in a, in a lot, in a number of situations. I did a lot with, uh, you know, playing defense and also hitting, right. uh, getting on base, uh, stealing a base here, you know, and, uh, you know, to get on second base, stealing a base, I think, in Montreal, and we ended up, I ended up scoring a winning run. And I mean, and Wayne, of course, Wayne Garrett just had a great year, you know, very solid uh, ball player. Bobby File, heads up, excellent. I remember him winning the game in Montreal with a bunt mm-hmm. uh, for a single base hit. There was a man on third, two outs, which I think is the best time in the world to bunt because teams aren't looking for that. Well, right. nowadays it's, it's irrelevant because all these shifts and things they have. Well, but, and they don't know how uh, to bunt. <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, you got that right. But <laughs> we had a very, very, for such a young team, a smart baseball team. You know, Gary, we could field a team under 25 years old, 25 or younger. With Duffy, you know, he and I are about the same age, mm-hmm. 23 at the time. Uh, Duffy catching... Uh, Crane Pool at first, Boswell second, Harrelson at short, uh, Garrett third, uh, you know, uh, Sabota and myself and uh, uh, Adier, Cleon, you know, in the outfield. I mean, we could we could fill a very very young team. Gentry pitching or McAndrew pitching or Seaver pitching. I mean, all you know, twenty five or under. I mean, right. it, we had the chance to be a heck of a organization if if you know if 
tragically it still hadn't died. But yeah. uh, you know, that's how things go. But we, I think it's one of the greatest teams of all time. I really do. Uh, probably a little prejudice there, but I remember <laughs> remember Tom Seaver was on a program with Bob Costas, and Costas asked Tom, he says, you know, if you played, you know, they always talk about the Baltimore series. If you played Baltimore in 10 series, how many do you think you'd win? He told, asked Tom that. And uh, I thought Tom was, oh, you know, maybe three or four, and Seaver said, oh, we'd probably win at least seven of those series. So I thought I got to thinking, well, Seaver thinks, we could, uh, you know, beat that great Baltimore team seven out of ten. I said we must be one of the best teams of all time because they had one of the best teams of all time, which they proved in the you know, next couple of years. But right. uh, yeah, I was. I, I'm. I, that's. It's been tough for anybody to beat us, especially in close games. If mm-hmm. you look at all the close games we had, the the doubleheader against Pittsburgh, one nothing, one nothing. One starting pitchers in each game knocking the only run. I mean, how many teams do things like that? I mean, I, I could go on and on. You and know, the is uh, two two run home runs off Carlton. Carlton. The game yeah. that Carlton struck out 19 of us. Come on. You know, I mean, you, I mean, just things like that. We just, we just performed in the clutch. And yet you had trouble with the Houston Astros. <laughs> yeah. I think we were we won two out of twelve there. They're the only yeah, teams that yeah. the only team that uh we didn't win a series uh that year. I think Cincinnati and us we were six and six. Everybody else we beat, yeah, in the series. So yeah, Astros, man, they just kicked our tail. <laughs> we had chance against them. Then it's a funny game, isn't it? I mean, oh, uh, yeah. that was such a, a good team. And I think, um, like you were saying, everybody contributed and it really was a team effort. This wasn't, uh, you know, you had superstars. You had Seaver, uh, who really was the, I guess, the the franchise. I mean, you know, well, we say it to this day. Uh, right. But I, I think it was all homogenized, if you will, and and put together by Gil Hodges. Could you talk a little bit about Gil Hodges? I know some of your teammates that that I've spoken to, uh, Shamsky and Swoboda, they, uh, they've loved him and respected him and uh, didn't always agree with him because they didn't like being platoon, but uh, the respect was there. Can you talk about uh, Gil Hodges a little bit? Yeah, he was great. Uh, he, you know, what, what a great manager. I mean, he should be in the Hall of Fame, as you know, not just as a player, but as a manager. I think he would have won a number of, of, of division titles and maybe World Series over the years if he had, you know, been around. But, uh, you know, Gary, he ran that club like a business. We all knew what we had to do. You know, we knew he was the boss. And like you said, some of the guys didn't care for, you know, some of his actions and things he did and, uh, but Bill, uh, Gil, you know, he was, he was, a, he was the head guy and we knew it. He, he was a little, you know, he was, he separated from us. He didn't get real close to many of the guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe him and Tom were pretty close. I don't know, but, uh, but he, you know, he kept a distance, but boy, I tell you, he knew, we all knew what we had to do. He didn't have to tell us, uh, you know, Rod going, you know, go out and, uh, you know, Take Sabota's place or take Shamsky's place. Now, you know, we just all, all knew our position, and uh, uh, every move he made that year was spectacular. And uh, he was a, uh, just a great, great man. We all loved him, uh, especially if you 
look at the 50th anniversary we recently had in late June, mm-hmm. um, and how many of the guys uh, made this? They're all making great comments about uh, Gil. Uh, I mean, you know, some of the guys like Crane Poole and you know, Sabota had had a few, little conflict with him, but boy, they they just love him now. They respect him. Realize mm-hmm. uh, how great the guy was as a manager and a man, and they. You know, have nothing but uh, great words for for Gil Hodges. So uh, you get uh, through this tumultuous season around you. Uh, not so tumultuous in the Mets clubhouse, I don't think, because uh, it seemed that everybody really got along well. But uh, you get to the playoffs and the World Series. You go up against the Baltimore Orioles, and and you have a little conversation with Lindsay Nelson that gets out into the press. <laughs> Could you want right. to touch on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, we're fired up after one beating Atlanta, and, uh, you know, I said something like, bring on, uh, you know, Baltimore, bring on the Orioles, we'll, we'll beat them in four straight. You know, I'm just, hey, again, I'm a rookie, I'm young, <laughs> not the smartest guy in the world, and I just pop off and say something like that. Of course, it gets around, uh, not the wisest thing to say and you know if Robinson gets a hold of it you know Frank you know he blurts out some stuff about me and then I end up uh, we're in Baltimore before the first game and Clint Denning grabs me and says here Rodney come over here I want you to meet somebody so he, inter- he introduced me to Frank at, uh, at this, I think it was the name of the stadium Memorial Stadium in Baltimore I think that's the name of it and so we I met him before the first game of the World Series I looked at him and he looked at me. I don't think either of us said anything, you know. And <laughs> we just turned away from each other. But after the we lost the first game, we end up, as you know, winning the next four. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got up there again with Lindsay, and I said, Lindsay, I didn't say which four we'd win it in, but we did win it in four straight, which we did, you know. So uh, thankfully, because we didn't want to go back to Baltimore. I tell you that. Right. Right. <laughs> And game four, pivotal game uh, in the World Series. Uh, of course, the uh, uh, the great catch by uh, Swoboda. What was your viewpoint of that? You were in the dugout at the time. Um, when that ball was hit, Brooks Robinson hit it, I believe, uh, in the gap, and Swoboda made a break. And, and for those that don't know, uh, Swoboda was not Ron Swoboda was not known as uh, a good outfielder. He he made himself into a, a a decent outfielder, but he was not. Especially in his early years, his first couple of years were pretty brutal. Um, and and he's told us that. Uh, but uh, yeah, what, yeah, he Rondell he had to deal with that, but he uh, he made like you said, he made himself a. A, a, a very good outfielder, I thought. Mm-hmm. That play he made, in my mind, is the best play I've ever seen by an outfielder. Best. Uh, I mean, you know, everybody talked about Willie Mays' catch and some of Jim Edmonds' catch, which is fine, because they, you know, they were excellent outfielders. Uh, but the, Sabota wasn't supposed to make those plays. Right. Uh, at least people thought that. I knew he could. And uh, that was the greatest play I've ever seen, the greatest clutch play. I mean, if that ball gets by him, we probably lose the ball game. And uh, but and the, it, people, a lot of people don't realize the throw he made to home. I mean, yeah. he he was prone catching that ball, stretched out, gets up and fires a rocket to home plate. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't get the runner, but 
I mean, he made a heck of a play. <laughs> and that during that year, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, a number of years later, we were at a card show in, I don't know where, New Jersey or somewhere. And Ron and I were waiting for the cab to pick us up to take us to the show. Uh, and this is, you know, what, 20 years ago or something like that. And we're sitting there talking. He said, you know what, Rodney? And I didn't know this. He says, I was so ticked off when <laughs> when Gil would take me, take me out of the game and put you in there. He said, I started working my tail off with Eddie Yost. And, you know, Eddie would hit him hundreds and hundreds of ground balls, fly balls, whatever, and working on Ronnie's defense. And he said, it just ticked me. He didn't use the word ticked off, but he used another word. It just ticked me <laughs> off that, uh, you know, that I, he wouldn't keep me in the game. And so he became, a, uh, to me, a very good outfielder with a really a good arm. And But oh, but again, Sabota, Sabota, you know, he thinks a little differently. Uh <laughs> I don't. I don't know if anybody else would have caught that ball. I mean, it was Ron's personality. Uh, it does. It didn't surprise me that he went for it the way he did. Because I don't know if anybody else could have caught it except Sabota. Yeah. Great play. Just like I said, the best play I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I was so happy for him, and I'm so happy that uh, I was a catalyst in that. Where he saw that, geez, this, this, you know, this punk kid can. He's a pretty good outfielder. I better work my tail off in order to stay in the game. And he did. And he did a great job for us. And right after that, of course, uh, it, it's a 1-1 game. And uh, you get to call a pinch run. And you go to second base. And J.C. Martin is up. And, of course, the controversy uh, with that play, uh, he lays down a bunt. Uh, take us through that play. What were you thinking when you went into the game and you're on second base, and and uh, what was running through your head? Well, again, like I said earlier, you know, I I, I kind of knew that I'd be out there as Jerry, you know, hit that loop double to left. Buford took a step back and he did that, and you know, and the ball was dropping in front of him. And Grody's not slow, you know, especially mm-hmm. for a catcher. You know, Jerry, you know, he's a good base runner. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Gil had me go out there, and uh, we knew the butt was on. And as JC said, in the, in the, when we were in New York, uh, they they had the uh, a big uh, celebration party type thing at the Cradle of Aviation out of Long Island. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes, but, yes. Uh, but you know, we a lot of us got on. You know, they interviewed us on the stage, and we'd tell stories and you know about the '69 season, and uh, which a lot of affected a lot of them on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen them or not, Gary, I've but they're on some, YouTube yeah. under the 50th reunion uh, celebration. But anyways, JC was saying, you know, he Gil wanted him to bunt, which he knew that because he's pinch hitting receiver, and he said, I. You know, he didn't want to bunt. You know, when you he said you go to World Series, you want to hit. You know, so. But he said that bunt. He said he's gotten all kinds of reactions from us. You know, he's been invited to functions because of the the bunt he made, and it was a great, great bunt. But again, that's when people knew how to bunt. Right. I, I, I remember Tom Seaver working his tail off and hitting, trying to improve as a hitter a butter, everything, because he knew how important it was for a pitcher to help himself. You know, it's a butt situation. In this case, it was uh, it was J.C., and we all knew how to butt that. And J.C. laid down a perfect butt, uh, and 
uh, Rickert, of course, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, called off Elrod, who's a catcher, uh, for Baltimore and uh, threw it the first hit, hit J.C. on the wrist. I didn't see it because I was running from second to third. And as I'm rounding third, Eddie Yost, our third base coach, great man, Eddie Yost, he was yelling, he was probably two feet from me, yelling at me to go. And I couldn't hear him because of the 55,000 plus people uh, at Shea Stadium. Yeah. I mean, it was so loud, you can't, you know, you can't hear anything. But I happened to turn, looked over my left shoulder, and I saw the ball rolling out towards second base. And then I, uh, I uh, scored, of course, the winning run to. And we beat them two to one. The first guy to greet me, of course, was my buddy Tom Seaver. <laughs> and and I don't think a lot of people know this, uh, but that was his first and only World Series win. So I'm happy that uh, I was a little bit, you know, a little part of that. Yeah, and of course, this the uh, the sadness uh, of uh, uh, with Tom Seaver now and his illness, and uh, uh, just a shame, but. I guess that's the price of getting older. I guess he yeah, it is sad. Uh and we miss him missed him here the fiftieth, but uh you know, he's he's where he likes to be. On that, on top of that the Diamond Mountain, I guess that's what it's called, and he's got a great bride and Nancy to take care of him, so mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm sure Tom's content in his circumstances yeah. at this time. Yeah. And how was the reunion? I mean, as a fan, it was uh, a fantastic thing to see. It was great to see all the guys come back again, uh, the guys that are still with us. And uh, and yet sad that we've lost so many members of that team already. Um, how was your viewpoint on, on being with the guys again? Oh, it's always good. Being with them, we, you know, we we got along great in '69. We get along great now. I mean, they're just a great group of guys. I mean, you know, they're they're so much fun and just so nice. And you know, listen to the, the, their stories. Uh, Ceci Kuzman, he, he what a what a classic Jerry Kuzman. And by the way, I you know I think a lot of people have congratulated him on, mm-hmm. uh, on the Mets retiring his number. Yes, I sent I sent him an email the other day, and uh, he said he responded back. He said, "Thanks, buddy." You know. <laughs> But uh, just a great group of guys, and, you know, like I said, we get along so well now. I miss them all. I wish I could see them all and talk to them yeah. regular basis. But, uh, you know, there's a few I that we talk semi-regularly. But, uh, yeah, they're, it was it was nice, nice seeing them. Hopefully I get a chance to see them again. Yeah, well, maybe you'll come in for the ceremony for uh, Kuzman's retirement. Uh, they haven't set a date yet in 2020, but uh, they definitely announced the retirement of the number. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, if they invited us, we'd probably come. That'd be great. Yeah, I hope they do. They should do more with, with the uh, uh, alumni on the team, and I think they're trying to do it uh for a while, they kind of lost touch with their roots, uh, and it right. really was a shame because, uh, you know, for us older fans, we remember you guys, and and right. uh, it it means a lot to us to see, and uh, you know, it's a shame that when they don't do it. Yeah, and I agree with you. Yeah, they dropped the ball, a little, you know, over the years on that, but you know, they made a real good effort this time when we were back there. It was. They did a good job, and uh, you know I agree with you, Gary. I hope they uh, do, uh, do do a lot more f- for the alumni, uh, especially the '69 team. I mean, my goodness, this 
their first championship. I, I agree, but you know, I can see their point of view sometimes. You know, why, why would they want to fly me out from California? Uh, you know, we live. I mean, it, it's an expense for them. Not that they don't have any money, but uh, <laughs> you know, I can see the East Coast guys being there. Yeah, I'm, you know, I know. Crane pools a lot of them. Sabota, they bring Sabota in. Wayne Garrett lives in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, but you know they, you know, who knows why? I I, I agree with you. I hope they do more for the uh, older alumni. It'd yeah. be nice. Well, it, there was a lot going on this year, and uh, it's a shame we didn't get to see you at all of the events. But uh, you were for the big one, and that's what really counts. <laughs> right, and I'm glad we went. Uh, in fact, I took. Uh, I, I didn't know if I was going or not. Then I asked my kids if they wanted to go. They said, heck yeah. So, you know, we had, we had like, uh, all our kids except one, our oldest daughter and her family uh, lived out, out here. With, they, did, they couldn't make it or didn't make it. Uh, but the other kids uh, were there. And my, our youngest daughter, Taylor, uh, uh, her and her husband, she got married a couple of years ago. They live in, uh, outside uh, Austin, Texas. And, a nice city called Round Rock, Texas, mm-hmm. and they went. And Ty Taylor's husband's, uh, he wanted. He asked if his parents could go because they wanted to come. I said, "Heck yeah!" So we ended up having like sixteen of us from the Gasper family there <laughs> at the reunion. That's great. It was fun, and they all had a great, great time. So you had a reunion with your old teammates and with your family. So that's, yeah. that that was terrific. It was. It worked out very nicely. <laughs> so uh, when you look back on your career, I know this is definitely the high point of it, but, uh, you know, you, you, you've you uh, accomplished something that uh, not too many people can say that they've done in their life. They played on a world championship baseball team. They played professional baseball. That, that to me, is always intriguing. Uh, you hit a home run in the major leagues. You know, it, there's not a lot of people in this world that can say those things. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. I, uh, you know, it was a great year. I, I have no complaints. I said baseball has been. It was all I ever dreamed of doing was playing baseball. Got a chance to play with a great organization. Like I said, got the World Series my first year. I mean, it went for baseball. I really wouldn't have anything. I met my wife. Uh, I mean, that, you know, through baseball at the next year and. In spring training, I met Sheridan down there in St. Petersburg, Florida. After I was cut, I think I was the last guy to get cut there in 1970 because I didn't deserve to make the club. I was terrible in spring training. I, you know, I couldn't a defensive guy that couldn't catch a fly ball. I was just awful. I wasn't in shape. Didn't work out in the off season like I had done the previous years of my life. I'd play baseball year round until mm-hmm. after we won the World Series. And, 69. And I figured, heck, I'll be here 10 years. I, you know, what yeah. do I have to do? I made it, but. <laughs> It's the age-old, age-old uh, thing is that it's a lot easier getting there than staying there, right. especially at the Met organization. I mean, they had guys in the minor leagues like Leroy Stanton and, and Kenny Singleton and Tim Foley and Mike Jorgensen. They had, I mean, they had a great minor league system, and I didn't deserve to make the club in 1970 because I didn't work hard at it like I had done all, my, all the previous years of my life. But, again... Baseball has been good to me. I have no complaints about it whatsoever. Uh, I'm, I, like I said, I'm happy. I met my bride through the game, and uh, uh, I, I think it's the greatest game going, especially with the way we played it. 
back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not so sure nowadays <laughs> what the changes that they make. Oh, boy. It's crazy. <laughs> we, I think our 6 and 19 would annihilate these teams. I don't care how many home runs they could hit. They wouldn't hit them off Seaver or Kuzman or Gentry or Nolan. If they didn't perform their antics, they'd be laying on the ground the next time yeah, I'm right. going to see that. <laughs> they'd be flat on their backs. Even with all that protective gear they have, I guarantee you that there'd be fear in their hearts when you got the Seaver, Kuzman, Ryan, Jeffrey fastball coming at you. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they'd have no chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has just been pure joy. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm so glad you could take the time. Uh, from your schedule and uh, talk to me and uh, I, I thank you so much. Gary, it's my pleasure and thanks for bringing up about the book, uh, uh, the Rod Gasper book, Miracle Met. Uh, I, uh, I appreciate that. It, you know, if people are interested in, in my in my life, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of you know, there, there's some interesting uh, topics in the book, and uh, I think people get a kick out of it. So. Uh, especially New York people, my favorite, my favorite fans. They're, they're the greatest fans in the world. So I appreciate you uh, bringing the book up. Thank you, Gary. My pleasure. It's available at Amazon.com. The name of the book is Rod Gaspar, Miracle Met. Go order it. Pick it up today. And, Rod, <laughs> once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure, Gary. Thank you. And I'll be back right after this. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. It always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com, along with Mets Musings and other great baseball podcasts. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And it's so nice to be back, and I hope you all enjoyed that interview. I know I did. You know, it's a funny thing. When I started this season, I didn't think anything about uh, who I may interview. I had a list of names that I'd like to try to get. And uh, it's been such a wonderful year speaking to such wonderful people. Wayne Randazzo, Tim Healy, Ken Davidoff, uh, Ron Darling, of course. Ron Swoboda, Art Shamsky, and now Rod Gaspar of the 69 Mets. Great to have those guys on. I'm still trying to get more on, so stay tuned for that. But uh, just a terrific season so far. And, you know, a little disappointing for this year's version of the Mets, but hope springs eternal, doesn't it? Wait until next year. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank my guest, Rod Gaspar, for taking the time out of his schedule to uh, come join us this week. And I want to thank all of you for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Lipson, wherever you listen to the podcast. Hit the subscribe button. That helps me grow the show and expand to new listeners. And remember, until the next time, keep the faith, stay optimistic, 
And as always, let's go Mets. I'll catch you again next time on the next edition of Mets Musings. <laughs>